Thanks for joining us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. Um, let's, uh, let me just share with you a few passages of scripture and I have a, uh, a word on my heart. I want to finish up this topic of heaven. And uh, we're just going to watch what the Holy Spirit's going to do to you personally in the next few moments. This can happen here as well as those Holy Spirit nights. This is a Holy Spirit morning is what this is. So uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, I, I want to read a, a passage of scripture. What happens uh, with us, uh, Stephen Covey said we should begin with an end in mind. Sometimes along the journey of life, we forget about what the end is going to be like. And my goal in sharing about the end is to give you confidence and strength as well as joy for the journey of life. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 16, uh, of these heroes of faith, uh, he says in verse 16, but they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. And that's why God's not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a heavenly city for them. But they were looking for a better place. That you were designed for something more than this earth is right. That you have a longing for something more, for a heavenly city. The uh, Bible says that there's eternity has been placed in our hearts. That we have a thirst for something more. But yet what we're experiencing now, I believe, is a foretaste of what's to come. And so I want to look at the, the post-resurrection moments with Jesus before he went and ascended, uh, I want to look at those moments between kind of the Luke 24, John 24, and Acts kind of 2, of what Jesus was like, and it'll give us a picture of what we will be like. So look in, in um, 1 Corinthians 15, this whole chapter is, is uh, wonderful, I think. Uh, of course, it's about the resurrection of Christ and the resurrection of us. But verse 19, it says, if we have hope in Christ only for this life, we are most miserable. If you only have hope for this life, you're miserable. But we're not miserable because we have hope for another life. Are you with me? We're not, we're not miserable people. That's not, a, that's not one of the gifts of the Spirit, miserability. You're not miserable because we have hope of something more. And that's in all of our hearts when we come to Christ. Hope for something more. He says that we are not those miserable people. Later on, uh, towards he talks about our resurrected body, which he understates by saying our bodies currently disappoint us. Does that happen to anybody over the age of 34? Our bodies currently are a little bit of a disappointment. Well, I've got good news for you. You're getting another one. Yeah. We're getting upgraded, upgraded from cattle class to, a, to, to first class. We're getting a new body, Terry. Anna, Amen. And uh, Kelly's a bit sad. She likes the one I'm in right now, but honey, an upgrade is coming. And, uh, and so he says that this new body, uh, right now it says we're weak, but when we are raised, it'll be full of power. There's natural bodies now, but when they are raised, there will be spiritual bodies, just like there's natural bodies, so there's also spiritual bodies. I don't know if you knew it or not, but you've got to, there's, there's a spiritual body right now. The most important part of you is the eternal part of you is spiritual. There is a spiritual part of you. You are more than just, Jesus called himself in one version, I'm not a ghost, I'm flesh and bone. He didn't say flesh and blood. He'd given his blood. 
Life was in the blood. Physical life is in the blood. Spiritual life is different. And so in Luke chapter 24, which I think gives us a picture of what we're like, they were frightened, but they knew who it was. They knew it was, but they were frightened. In verse 38, it says, why are you frightened? Why do you doubt who I am? Look at my hands. Do you know what your new body's going to be like? It's going to have hands. That shouldn't be too much of a shock. Look at my feet. We're going to have feet. Uh, you can see that it's really me. Do you know that your new body is going to be really you? You're not going to be someone else. You're going to be really you. Jesus was really Jesus. He says, look, it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not, not a ghost because ghosts don't, ghosts don't have bodies. Don't, ghosts don't have bodies. The real you is yet to be discovered. And so I feel there's two, a couple reasons I want to remind us of heaven. One is because if we're not careful, we'll get our context of eternity from Hollywood. And when you look at Hollywood, they speak about annihilation because they are generally a culture without hope. But when we read scripture, we read about restoration. That our eternal home is going to be a restored earth and a restored heaven. This earth, I love this earth. I'm not, I'm, we recycle. I love the earth. But there's going to be a new earth. And the current heaven, it's going to be a new heaven. Where did grandma go? You need to tell your kids, if you want to tell your kids she went to heaven, there's a current heaven, but there's another heaven coming. There's an eternal home. I'm not talking about this morning, uh, there's too much controversy about how many raptures there are, when it's going to happen, what's going to happen to millennial reign, what's, gonna, who's, what's the mark of the beast in the cashless society, and whatever, the, uh, you know, the seven years of tribulation. Uh-huh, just, a, I, I don't know. But I'm talking about our final state, our eternal home. That's what I'm talking about this morning. And we get a picture of that in Revelation chapter 21 and 22, where he talks about a new Jerusalem, a new heaven, and a new earth. Verse 1 of chapter 21 of Revelation, And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. And the sea was gone. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a beautiful bride prepared for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, the home of God is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself, I love that, will be with him, them. And he will remove all their sorrows, and there will be no more death, or sorrow, or crying, or pain. For the old world, and its evils, and its pain, and its crying, and its corruption, and its sin. For the old world, and its evils are gone forever. And then he says, and the one who is sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making all things new. Stunning, heart-stopping passage of scripture for me. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2, it says, let heaven fill your thoughts. If you don't have an accurate picture of heaven, how can it fill your thoughts? We need a biblical and an accurate picture of heaven so it can fill our thoughts. Don't think only of those things below. Uh, he says, don't think only of those things down here, but let heaven fill your thoughts. We need an accurate picture of heaven. The only place to get an accurate picture of our eternal home is from scriptures. So we need not we don't need we don't need a weak, uh, boring, anemic vision of heaven. 
We need a bold, technicolor vision of heaven. I expect heaven will be a place of the greatest adventures that we could ever dream of will take place. That we will have and experience real life. Heaven, I'm here to say, from my understanding, is a physical, not a metaphysical, a physical, real, actual, literal place where you and I, those in Christ, will share eternity. This is a mind-blowing concept. Scripture doesn't give us real high-resolution images of heaven. It just gives us glim glimpses and glimmers and uh, little, little snippets. We just get little trailers. That's all we see. But heaven is a real and physical place. I smiled when I read about the Greenlanders when the missionaries went there and explained heaven, and, they, found, and they, they, seemed, they indicated there's no seals there, and the Greenlanders said, we're not interested in that. No seals. Um, I don't think that maybe, I don't know what your image is like, but I'm not sure if you've got a much stronger idea or not. Some people have tried to convince me that it's going to be an endless church service, which I'm not that interested in. <laughs> Once a week's pretty good. Now and again, we can do little marathons and have weekend goes at it, but I don't know, are you? It's hard enough getting you here for an hour and a half, let alone <laughs> eternity. Really, right? And notwithstanding, Christian arts depicts eternity as chubby cherubs that are playing harps. That sounds pathetic to me. I, I don't, I don't want to be around any of that with feathers. So, so what, you, what kind of heaven can fill our thoughts and motivates us. And so I, I figured out a couple, of sub, a couple of questions, FAQs. And the first one is, will we literally eat and drink in heaven? Um, I don't know why that's specifically important. Cheryl Switzer's really smiling about that. Um, naturally, Scott McKnight, a, a theologian, by the way, I've read, I've read about six books on this. One, John Eldridge's last book on all things new. Uh, N.T. Wright's book on, um, it's called... Uh, uh, hope, uh, Surprised by Hope. Um, I haven't read C.S. Lewis's book on the Great Divorce. I just referenced a bit. Uh, uh, Gary Bauer, a theologian who sat with Dallas Willard the last years of his life, um, he wrote a book called Preparing for Heaven, and then um, also a, actually one of the most inspiring books, um, Questions About Heaven for Kids by Randy Elkhorn, phenomenal book. I think we honestly need to be talking to our kids about heaven because they all kind of know we dedicated a little child this morning who was smiling a lot at her current pastor, and I thought, she knows some stuff. This smiles, right? It wasn't gas. She knew stuff. <laughs> she was smiling, and why she'd just been in the presence of the Lord. I think that's one of the reasons why they don't talk for a couple of years, because, right, they'd the other thing is you want to, and, and we don't remember those first couple of years because we were breastfed, and we want to forget about that. It's another reason, but <clears throat> um, anyway... Let me come back to the question. Scott McKnight, he wrote a book on, um, and it's called uh, Heaven's Something. Scott McKnight, great, great book. All good books, not as good as this book. All right. Uh, Scott McKnight said, if we let the Bible shape our view of heaven, we, expect our we should expect our schedules to be filled with banquets, feasts, and parties. Probably singing 70s music, I reckon. Huh? What an era. We haven't had any, like, real Abbas since, have we? Not even close. I know. We were listening to Jerry Rafferty the other day, and we go, oh, that's it. That's, yeah. 
Fleetwood Mac, bless their memories. Okay. So he said, you should expect parties. One of, the, one of the first tasks of Jesus, once he snapped the bonds of death and returned to the land of living, of the living was to make a resurrection breakfast for his friends. And he invited seven apostles with these words, come and have breakfast. Are we going to eat and drink in heaven? You bet your bippy we are. That's, that's the 70s. We totally are. That moment for them would have been unforgettable with the post-resurrection Jesus sitting down, enjoying some fried fish and a little bit of low-gluten bread, I'm sure, ancient grains. I don't know what they did. Think about it. Think about it. And he would have tasted the fish and he would have tasted the bread because in our new bodies, we will have resurrected taste buds. You ain't tasted nothing yet because we've always lived with with cursed taste buds, right? No, yeah, well, we're not bad, but just, just wait because we're going to eat, we're going to dine with resurrected taste buds. Luke 24 and verse 39, it, it, it gives us the characteristics that we will mirror. He spoke, we will have a physical voice. Mine, I'm looking for a little bit more baritone, not quite as squeaky, but we'll have a new voice. He walked on the ground. We will walk on the ground. He wore clothes. Arguably togas. I don't know. He had clothes. He handled and ate food. He was touchable. He was visible. He was physical. This is mind-blowing. He was able to teleport. Now, how wild is that? Like, you read it? When you read the beginning of Acts, it says that he went up into the clouds. He dematerialized. He, ele- he, he levitated. This isn't, you guys, we read this book together, right? Same one. That's it, 66 books. You, re- you read it. This is the wildest stuff when I read about it. Uh, and he moved from one place to another immediately. He walked through walls. You read about that stuff. It's like, it's like, Stranger than fiction. Um, Jesus exhibited qualities in his post-resurrection body that we will have. Let me parenthesize. And that to some degree, we function in now in the power of the Spirit. Just don't let that frazzle your nerve ends right yet. Peter walked on water. We do in Canada in, in the winter. He walked on water. Peter, just like, just like you and I, walked on physical water. Jesus somehow dealt with the meteorological system. He spoke into a storm and somehow deconstructed the energy in those waves and it calmed down. Blows your mind. I think we should get used to ruling and reigning right here, right now. Have you spoken to a storm lately? We have trouble speaking to our own storms. No, but think about it. I mean, I'm not, I'm working on it. Like snow's coming, I'll say, not to my place. Uh, it's, it's not, I'm not doing that well with that one yet. Right? It rains on the just and the unjust in Canada. It snows on the just and the unjust. But, but I'm just talking about how did Jesus function? He functioned as he functioned as a human like you and I, the son of man, 
and he exhibited qualities in the power of the Spirit that you and I can exhibit today. Our, 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 our resurrected bodies, that full spiritual thing, he functioned in his physical being like that. You and I can do the same. I'll give you a couple others. Healed the sick. The boys after him, the disciples, they healed the sick. What that meant is that somehow he changed the physical and the material conditions. They did. Something happened when they spoke to a physical condition. It spiritually got rewired. Isn't that wild? That, right? So this is how you and I can function now. It's not magic. It's the power of the Spirit. We'll see some of that this weekend. Um, he directed the pow power and he changed the molecular and atomic qualities and structure of water so that it actually became wine. That's what the book says. I want to learn how to do that right now, right here, right now. Hey? Like, really? What did you bring to the party, Lauren? Awesome water. But just wait. I think it's a while that happened. Okay, so uh, the other thing he did, what he, he multiplied physical matter. He was able to take the bread and the fishes and actually multiply them. Where'd them fish come from? I know. Makes you scratch your head. He did that while walking on this earth in the power of the spirit that you and I can enjoy as well today. So our, I'm just saying that our, our, our future heaven post-resurrection life has actually begun right now that's what i believe you don't need to if you don't want you but but i'm saying this is more exciting if you believe this way he 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 was able to um anyway all very exciting are we gonna the question was will we literally eat or drink the first image in the final vision in revelation is a wedding celebration of fellowship and community and the cosmic announcement was look god's dwelling is now among his people and we note that the language is that of a jewish wedding as you read through chapter 21 look and this is what i saw and it's like a beautiful bride prepared like this and he said and then he goes on to say look it's all finished and the elf and the maggie goes into it eugene peterson says this is there anything else that we do as frequently and simply that combines necessity and pleasure so unselfconsciously and unpretentiously and commonly as preparing a meal with family or friends or guests? The answer is no. We'll be doing that in heaven. Jesus went to prepare for us. We're going to be preparing meals too and enjoying meals. We're going to be in the same thing. We're going to be fellowshipping and eating heaven. He, um, the Bible raises a meal to a whole new level. Kingdom meals seem to be more like banquets and feasts and festivals and parties. And the image in scripture is a wedding feast. And all those of you who have done weddings, you know how long the preparation is getting ready for those. That's, this is the image that we're given in Revelation 21. It's a week-long feast with fruitcakes and dips and sauces and meats and grains and vegetables and olives and olive oils for all you Italians. And the best wine that a family could afford. That's what a wedding was. That's what we're going to enjoy. It reminds me of Isaiah 25 and verse 6, where it says, On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a, a feast of rich food for all people, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. How's that going to work? How do you age wine in a place where it's eternal? And now I know I'm messing with you. And, and fine meats. 
You think that there's hunting in heaven? Where's the meat coming from? I know. You know, in heaven there's going to be animals. I'm not talking about people's pets. Pet, pet, all, all dogs go to heaven. Disney nailed that. <laughs> I tried touching that a couple times. I got in deep weeds. <laughs> I don't know. I think Oscar's probably in heaven. I don't know. Let's leave it at that. But clearly we've never seen animals outside uh, other than being under the curse. What will it be like to talk with a male lion in heaven? Where he will not be looking at me like I'm dinner. When the lion lays down with the lamb, what will that be like? To say, really? The, a hedgehog was, 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 was that's the end of the day for the creator? He goes, I'm done. Just put a bunch of pricks in him. And, I mean, spikes in him. And, but we'll be able to, I think that, that right in, in Eden, they were able to just talk with animals. It was no big thing for a snake to chat. And later on for a donkey to talk. So why, in he, why, why aren't we, we'll have some discussions with some animals. I'm not going to shoot animals in heaven. No way. No way. The best of meats, the finest of wine. Imagine eating freely of the same tree that nourished the original couple. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 7, it says, that him who overcomes, I'll give to eat of the tree of life freely. What will that be like? Lord, engage our imaginations. It says in, on, in ch chapter 22, it says that the angel showed me a pure river of water of life, clear crystal flowing from the throne of God. There's a river of life that goes right through the middle of the New Jerusalem. Can you imagine sticking your head underwater in the river of life, not likely needing a snorkel? Like that? Can you imagine? If there's water, there's going to be Fish! He says, and he says, on each side of the, of the river grew a tree of life. Is there more than one tree of life? Well, they grow on either side of the river. And there's no mention in Revelation about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You don't have to worry, but you can eat, and I'm going to taste the fruit from the tree of life. And I'm going to let the juices run down my chin. I want you to get a vision of eating and enjoying each other in this perfect place. Let me try and describe it. Once again, we will draw strength and fullness and vitality from this tree that will produce, it says, not one, but 12 crops. That's what it says. 12 crops, of a fresh crop each month. The leaves will be used for medicine to heal the nations. Why do we need medicine in heaven? Good question. I'm glad you asked. And it's going to be every month. Is there going to be months in heaven? By the, isn't that a, mar a measure of time? I, go, I don't know. You need to ask the Holy Spirit a bunch of these questions. I can't answer them all. I'm very intrigued about eternity. It's fruit, not to be observed, not to be admired, but to be eaten. Uh, everything will be good. No more curse, no more battle with desires, nothing forbidden, no more eating disorders. Only two people have ever eaten this food at its best. Our resurrection bodies will have resurrected taste buds and the, like, just like the wine that Jesus made at Cain of Galilee was a foretaste of the wines he promised to us to drink together. He said, I'm not drinking wine again until we drink it together in the kingdom. I love that. No food allergies. And everybody that had food allergies said, no gluten-free issues. No uh, celery yak. 
Is that a word? No, that's a fruit. Celiac, that's right. You gotta be sharp. <laughs> you gotta be sharp. No celery in heaven. There's a title for a book. I'm gonna buy that one right there. No addictions, no weight problems. Everything that we enjoyed and every subatomic particle glorifying God. All food sources so far have been touched by a curse. Every palate, every taste bud, nothing has tasted as good as it did in Eden and nothing will taste as good as it will taste in the new earth. But baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. All right. And the new Jerusalem, chapter 21 and verse 10. I believe this is a city that you'll love even if you don't love cities. Why? I'll tell you. So he took me in the spirit to a great high mountain and he showed me the holy city Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God. It was filled with the glory of God and it sparkled like precious gems, crystal clear like jasper. Its walls were broad and high, 12 gates guarded by 12 angels and the names of the 12 tribes of Israel were written on the gates. There was three gates on each side, north, south, east, west. There's going to be directions in heaven. And the wall of the city had 12 foundation stones and on them were written the names of the 12 apostles. And the angel took me and he held his hand out. He had a golden measuring stick. Um, like nothing, nothing like we've seen yet, to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. When it was measured, it was found it was square, as wide as it was long. Get ready, engineers. Prepare, all you, prepare your left brains now. In fact, it was in the form of a cube for its length and width and height were 20, uh, sorry, 12,000 stadia, which converted, in this Bible, it says 15,000 miles. And then he measured the walls and found them to be 216 feet thick. It says the angel used a measuring st uh, human standard. The visual magnificence of this new Jerusalem will be unspeakable. It says it carried me away. There will be gates. You'll read later on here that the gates never close. Gates were typically used in scripture for keeping enemies out. You don't have to worry. There'll be no enemies. No curse, no enemies. The gates are always open. I love that. I don't know why I love that. But I love that. This is just an, a, a glimpse. He says, that, he says the gates stay open uh, um, in verse uh, 25. Its gates never close at the end of the day because there's no night. Not interesting. No day, no, not, no, day, no, day, no light, no night. The, because Jesus, I don't know how this is going to work. He's going to be this radiating like little orb. I don't, I don't, I don't know how it's going to work. Anyway, <clears throat> there's gates. It'll be all beauty without crime and grime and porn and prostitution. The entire universe will be the throne of the great king and the new Jerusalem, his living room. I need you to imagine parks. Think parks, museums, the river of life, restaurants, relational perfection, nothing cursed. No shame or diminished quality of life because there's no sin and there's no curse. Nations to rule, cities to govern with Christ's leadership. 15,000 square miles. That's 2.25 million square miles. It's a, like a cube. Some have postulated it's a pyramid. I don't think so. I think it's a cube. One guy said that that will house 100, million, 100 billion people. And it's approximately, if you went 1,500 or 1,400 miles, you'd go kind of from the Canadian border down to the Mexican border and probably some about L.A. over to Louisiana Square. That's the city in the New Earth. It's mind-blowing. Fascinating. Um, 
Every joy experienced here will be there. Every pleasure, uh, fulfilled pleasure, appetite, dream, longing, that, that will be just an inkling now, a whisper, a foretaste of something in our future. And the river of life and the tree of life, which is mentioned three times in Genesis and four times in Revelation, that's presently in the paradise or the holy city of God. Home. It'll be like home. Here's what happened. Here's what, and, and I mentioned it last week, we talked about how we'll have our same names. We'll get a new name, but we're going to have our same names when he, because he, he's going to call my name. I'm going to know who he's calling. Lorenzo. My redeemed nature. Italiano. Um, 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 I was talking, uh, thinking of something profound and helpful there for a minute. Yes. The relationships that will take place. And just like when we end up going hunting and fishing, we usually, as we get there eventually, here's what we end up doing is we're thinking about previous hunting and fishing trips. Hey, do you remember that big buck on the crest of that hill? Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. And then people listening, they try to one-up you. And I expect that in heaven, much of the conversation will be, you remember this, but without the curse attached to, attached to, to it. It'll be remember. And here's what I think will happen to us all. Because here... In order for you to understand how, what a wonderful redemption is, you're going to have to somehow get a grip of how wonderful the price that was paid for you. When we get a little glimpse of the price that was paid for our salvation, just a glimpse, we, you and I will be perpetually thankful for what Christ has done for us. And then we'll get to walk up to him. And we'll lay our crowns. Because right now we're in the process. There's going to be rewards. Nothing is unseen. He said, if you can give a cup of cold water, the, the boys were arguing among themselves, what about rewards in the future? Yeah, don't worry, anybody's done anything here and you've sown well, you will reap well in heaven. You can store treasures up now in heaven. Every meeting that went, you went to, Greg, every, every extra mile that you've went, every unseen act of generosity and love, every unappreciated and unthankful gesture that was done motivated by love will be rewarded. There will finally be some Justice. I'm looking forward to a few I'm sorry's from some people. <clears throat> Let me get back to what I want to wrap it up here. What we want is all the good parts without the disappointments. We want life without death. We want relationships without relational pain. If that's what you want, you're, you're just describing heaven. I've got a strong attachment to earth. And sometimes we've been guilty of thinking our new, our eternal home will be non-earthly. It'll be very earthly. And we get a glimpse of it right now. Those days when you sit and you see those beautiful blue skies, just wait till you get to heaven when light will be unfiltered and unfractured. It'll be magnificent. He tried to describe what the throne looks like and used the best he could was with gems and ja jaspers and, and, um, and ja topaz and Chris, 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 Chris Christopherson. I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> All, that, all these, he couldn't describe how beautiful it was. He ran out of language, which we will, we will as well. I expect we truly will. For Adam, for us, it's going home. For Adam and Eve, it'll be like coming home. Someone I read through some of these studies, and I read about life after death and stuff, and they have these things called NDE, or sorry, NDEs. I think it's, mis I think it's misunderstood. Near-death experiences. Some of you will have read of some. Really? Really? You know what I think better described? It's near life experiences. Because we, we're living in a, fall, in a world that is currently under a curse. And we don't know what it's like yet to truly live. 
Death is a foreign invader into the eternal design and character of God. It was never part of God's plan for humanity. And when it shows its bony face, its finality and mystery can sneak up on us in our unsuspected souls, in unsuspecting ways, and it can terrify us. But one day, death will lose its grip. It will no longer have any sting. We, don't, we grieve, but not like those without hope. We are those who have hope. Near life experiences. That was the case of my father when he came close, when he just on death's doorstep, sitting there, and he kept going like this because he could just wanted to step across. It was a near life experience. He loved to talk about it, but he ran out of terms. Near life experiences. Isaiah chapter 65 says, Look, I'm creating a new heavens and a new earth so wonderful that no one will even think about the old one anymore. It's not, here's a new wrinkle for your brain as I wrap up. And it helps me connect today's message for us today. I hope it helps you. Because I believe that our eternity is concurrent. And it's functioning right now. That our bodies will be transformed is an actual, physical, biblical, and it's an easy to understand fact. We're going to get a new body. That's easy for us. Now, what will, what, what will shift our eternity is the simple fact that I believe is that although our bodies are transformed, our character isn't. You're not just going to be snapped and all of a sudden you're pure. I th here, here, and, and I want us to understand the difference um, between, because it says, well, we'll be sinless. It doesn't say we'll be flawless. I need you to understand the difference between perfect and complete. I just want you to know that in heaven there's going to be a little bit of work to do on your character. Christ now will not touch your free will. He won't then either. It's one of the most sacred things about you. In a moment, I'll give you an opportunity to respond. If you're not assured of heaven, you can be assured of it today and eternity with Christ. Who's going to be in heaven? Who gets to be in heaven? I'll tell you who. I'll tell you who. Jesus and anyone who's in Christ. It's that simple. But it's that complicated. I look forward to heaven. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, He who has begun a good work in you will complete it. When I get there, my body's changed. I will not be complete in my soul, I don't believe yet. My spirit's already looked after. But I'll get to make some choices. Sacred. We must be actively developing our ability to reign and rule right now. I love what C.S. Lewis said in The Great Divorce. He says that hell, the doors of hell are locked on the inside. My last question, so who gets in? Heaven is not a default destination. Heaven is not a default destination. So who gets in? Glad you asked. Well, the church answer would be those who go to my kind of church. The good people answer would be, well, most but not all. Who gets into heaven? Well, the egocentric answer would be, well, people just like me. Who gets into heaven? The universalist answer would be everybody. Who gets in? Well, the sacramental answer would be those who have been baptized, receive communion. Who gets in? The cynical answer says, well, that's all up to speculation. And the moralist answer is people who are good enough. Who gets into heaven? The biblical answer people have personally accepted Christ. That's the biblical answer. Jesus said, for my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. 
and to echo the words of Christ at the end of Revelation, even so come Lord Jesus. It's an invitation to life unlimited, finally. Let your imagination get a hold of that. Meditate on the Isaiah 66 to 65, Ezekiel, at last half of Ezekiel, first couple chapters of Genesis, and the last two in Revelation. The rest in between is all funky. You just, who knows? Like, are those like, like you know, Black Hawk helicopters? Or are they really hornets? Who knows? I don't know. But here's what I need us to do. I need us to get a vision of heaven, a clear vision of where we're going. And I think that will help us to effectively use our time while we're on earth. assurance of heaven you're not sure that should you die today you would enter instantly into his heaven that he's created for you if you haven't accepted Christ as your savior if you came with a burden you feel burdened without hope we've got a prayer team and we'll gladly pray for you we don't want you leaving without great hope and great joy I just trust that this morning some of the scriptures as well as the stories and worship woke you up to the great future that we have together. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for your ministry to our hearts through your word, through worship. And now, Father, I thank you. You're continuing to minister to hearts and homes here today. Lord, if there's anybody here who I won't get to visit with in heaven, Lord, give them the courage, I pray this morning, to respond to you by faith. In the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Just invite the prayer team to come on up to the front. If you need prayer, we're here to pray for you uh, in any way. Tonight, we're down at Fort Calgary at 6 o'clock. Great French are going to be ministering to us. It's going to be fantastic. Friday and Saturday, come on back for a Holy Spirit night. Uh, both those nights, these, these are here to pray for you. We know that we are functioning now as citizens of heaven. So through those doors, walk heavenly-minded creatures who are filled with the hope of heaven. God bless you. You're released. Go and change your world. Amen.